All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Positive Friday. How are you? Welcome back to the uh, Jason Greger Show. Sports 1440, Orders Nation, YouTube and Facebook as always presented by playalberta.ca where of course the uh, order's favorite tonight uh, in Anaheim to uh, pick up uh, their uh, 25th victory in uh, 29 games if they uh, win tonight and uh, if they win tonight they'll do something they haven't done all season long is after a loss win the next game so far the orders have been unable to avoid Losing the game after they lose one. So they lost their opening game of the season. Then they lost against the Canucks. Then they won. Then they lost four in a row. Then they won. Then they lost four in a row. Then they won three in a row. Then they lost three in a row. Then they won eight in a row. Then they lost three in a row. Now they've won 16 in a row and they lost to Vegas. So they will try to, uh, for the first time this year, only lose one Game consecutively for the first time all year. We'll see if uh, they can do it. Now, the odds are good. Uh, they're quite good. Let's uh, let's go uh, in the room brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% uh, locally owned and operated and a proud sponsor of many numerous youth sports teams and charities. It's nextgentransportation.com. The head coach uh, was asked about uh, what does he want to see from his team 
coming off a loss, something that uh, he obviously hasn't uh, really had to experience in like, I don't know, 54 days. Just us to be able to respond, play the way that we did uh, in Vegas. I thought we did a lot of good things. Just the only thing we were missing there was uh, finishing our chances. I thought uh, the execution, the effort was there. We just want to... um, yeah, just be able to put some bucks in the net. And, you know, over the course of a season, there's going to be games where it just doesn't go to your way and you just can't quite do it. But I think um, I thought there was a lot of positives from last game. I would agree. I thought the orders, I didn't think they played poorly. They just lost. And that will happen. There's, trust me, there's some playoff games that a team will play, you know, it's a 2 2 game. You lose in overtime 3 2, and you're like, damn, we didn't play bad. We just lost. Unfortunate part is, you have too many of those in the playoffs and you're out. That's what's uh that's what's great and heartbreaking about the NHL playoffs. And you know, the orders right now, they just really want to keep pace with Vegas. Vegas won again last night. They've played the orders have six games in hand on Vegas, which is nuts. Right? The order is starting tonight. Play thirty six games in seventy days. Vegas has 30 games in their neck in the final 70 days of the season. Pretty big difference. So uh, the orders will, uh, will will need to make up, so, well, are hoping to make up uh, some points in the standings if they can. And a lot of it's just going to come down to, uh, you know, like tonight, it's a game, it's against Anaheim, it's one of your games in hand. That's one you don't want to waste. Just uh, too simple. Uh, Knobloch was asked, is there value in trying different things right now, potentially new D pairs in case injuries occur, someone slumping or just to kind of see different combinations you have. We want to be a little prepared for when things do happen, um, whether there's injuries or somebody slumping and we need to change something because of an opposition, whatever like that. But as coaching staff, we always, we always have to be mindful of not um, blowing things up, not doing anything too drastic and I think we've been pretty good job of just making subtle changes and where we needed to do it um, but also we things have been going well we don't want to upset what we've got going on so we have to be mindful of um, not changing the chemistry and the way things are going right now now let's see that's the comment that you hear there from the head coach makes me wonder that the 3D pairs he used in practice yesterday might not all come to fruition tonight. Does he change any of them? Because if he changes one, he's changing two, right? You can't just change one D pair um, when, when uh, it's involved the same six guys. It's impossible, right? Because if you move CC away from Nurse, then you got to move somebody in, and that's going to change the other pair. So we're either going to see no new D pairs tonight, we're going to see two new D pairs. Or three. I could see two. That's my guess. But you know, maybe he'll go. He'll go all in and and do all three. It's uh, it's very possible. Um, I I I don't think I understand what he's saying about the chemistry. I think that's important. But I also don't believe like when, when you think about what Paul Coffey has really wanted to instill in the defense core was make plays make plays now if all of a sudden you're vincent deharnay and you're playing with darnell nurse that doesn't mean oh now i want you to go back to just shooting the puck off the boards and out not at all right and uh if if it's cody cc going with uh ekholm i, I don't think his game's going to change very much right like evan bouchard whether he plays with ekholm or kulak 
I still think they want to complete passes, move the puck up, take shots, right? Limit turnovers. I don't think it changes very much. But there is something to be said about you just, you, you get used to the habits and the timing of your partner. I do think that matters. So I could see why they might be hesitant to switch all three in one time. Maybe you do two now, and then you see how one of those goes, and then maybe you switch out another one later on. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. But if there was ever a game to try it, I don't, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it against the Ducks. I just think some teams are bad matchups for certain teams, and uh, the orders are a horrible matchup for Anaheim. Edmonton just has a lot of things that Anaheim doesn't have, and, and I think that gets in their head a little bit, no question. Like Anaheim, they, they can't really play a lockdown defensive style, and they don't have the offense to play run and gun with the orders. So it's uh, it's not a good matchup for them whatsoever. It's uh, In the Room, brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, as uh, we welcome in... Uh, Juan Gretz from uh, Oilers Nation to the uh, program. Juan, how you doing? I was blown away last week. I walked in and you weren't here. No heads up for a guy. Just walked in, different I Jason. Told, I had told no, you that. no, no, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure I did. And I said to myself, "Oh, it, oh dear, where's Gregor? Is he ill? Oh no, no, he's living it up." Mm, Where were you? Okay. I'm sure you talked about this again, but I'd just like to go over it on the air. I was in uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. I was actually hiking last Friday at a Post Malone concert. That was on Saturday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. That was quite nice. Not, times aren't tough at the Gregor House. We are living good. Right. I respect well, it. And just to be clear, I, we were invited as guests to the concert. By post? Uh, no. <laughs> Could you, no, no. I would post and I are on first name basis. right? Although I did learn his first name, but I don't remember it. Um, uh, his He's la- very talented. Dude. Yes. that's um, Puts on a very good show. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. Like, I know he's lost a lot of weight. Good for him. Like, he's really slimmed down. He, he talked openly about how he's, you know, he's got a young child now and he just kind of changed his mindset a little bit on what he has to do with to be, in, you know, he wants to stick around uh, a little bit longer. And it feels like if he can live a healthier lifestyle, at least it will increase his odds. Uh, Book by its cover go- guy, though, right? The face tattoos. You look at him, you think, this guy, what well, is this guy? And then it turns out he's an unbelievable singer songwriter. Yes, he, he is. It's very much a great example of don't judge a book by yeah. its cover. When you, when you see, cause when you look at Post Malone, you would think his, the music he's going to sing is probably going to be a lot different. And the, he's been out for a long time now. Yeah. 10 years he was telling Unbelievable. Yeah. It's been 10 years. He's got an amazing catalog. Yeah. So no, it was, it was a very, it was a unique venue for sure on the uh, 16th hole at, uh, uh, the Waste Management Open. Is right. the PGA super progressive all of a sudden to doing really awesome stuff? Like, since when are there Post Malone concerts at PGA tournaments? Well, it was the week because the tournament technically hadn't started yet, right? Okay. Because the tournament started yesterday. But there were guys, I, I shouldn't say that hadn't started because on the Saturday I walked around because our hotel, we were staying at the Fairmont right on the same golf course. <laughs> and um, so we, we came out the back way and we we're just like, oh, you can walk on the course because it's not really open. So we're walking around and as I'm walking uh, where the path goes, it's a course and there's somebody who was teeing off. And I'm like, well, we'll just stand here like i'm assuming as a good golfer he's not gonna hit me and he bombs it over me it was aaron badly no way uh, yeah. so he comes by hey sorry guys i'm like don't worry now if it was role reversal if i was you i would have hid behind a tree if it was me teeing off but i'm not really worried like i didn't know it was him i couldn't see who it was at the tee right but i'm just watching his warm-up swing i'm like this guy's not like sculling one into me you know like there's just and then we went and watched some of the uh, pga guys who are already in town cool. just on the driving range and like like any professional athlete it's just 
it was such a difference. Like I saw a nap in there and he's going through his whole routine and now they have all they like, you know, he's got his swing analysis thing. He comes, pulls it out of his cart and puts it right behind him as he's swinging. He watches everything. So, you know, there's a lot go into it, but you just see their swing and he's hitting a fade and then he's hitting a draw and then he's hitting it straight. And it's just like on the range, they don't like, I'll be on the range and every now and then, like, you'll be like, ooh, jeez, look at that one. <laughs> and they're like, their misses are like maybe a foot out of where you'd think they want it to be. It was nuts. And it was just like almost just robotic, which doesn't surprise me because if obviously you're going to be on the PGA Tour, you got to be pretty damn good. So that was kind of fun to just sit there and watch for 15, 20 minutes. I used to work at Nevada Bob's Golf Course uh, shops back in the day. Remember those things? Oh, yes. Yeah, they were great. And I would regrip clubs. And I thought I was working at like NASA. It was the greatest job ever for a kid. And I'll never forget one day, this is when I knew how good pro golfers were. A pro golfer, I can't remember what tour was around, but it wouldn't have been like that amazing, but it's pretty amazing. Came in, he was a guy from the States, and he said, can you reshaft my club? And I said, sure. And I looked at his three iron, and it looked like there was a dime on the face of it. And I'm like, what's that? And it's where he'd hit the, the ball, ball so oh, many my. times. Like, you look on our drivers, there's a <laughs> roof mark, there's a this, there's a that. This guy had a dime on the face of his three iron, and he's like, yeah, I'm just up here for a few weeks and need my club fixed. And I was like, man, these guys even up here are so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like it's, and a lot of them have the skill, but then it's just a consistency, yeah. right? To do it all, and then you got to do it when everybody's watching. Like, they, like they changed the sixteenth hole now. Uh, they added to it last year that it seats now twenty thousand people, and that's where post played. Yeah, that's where post. So they played. put all the bleachers in for that crazy hole, and they do the week before a concert because they have it all set up already. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it's smart business. Smart. Smart business plan, and really where where his stage is. If anybody's seen the sixteenth hole, where you tee off, kind of. There's no fairway, of course, per se, but in the middle where you would call the fairway. They have a lot of rock area and stuff like that. So and that's, that's where it doesn't they, mess up the whole. Yeah, course. that's where they set the stage. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. And then like there's, and we, I walked like down 17 and 18 and you should see how many grandstands they have there, man. Like they're expecting this weekend in four days, 1.3 million people. So that's about 325 people, 325,000 people a day. And I was talking to some people that they're like, yeah, I mean, it's almost gotten too busy. Like if you're on the, sure, if you're around, if you have seats on those 20, you're like, okay, I got seats. It's great. And they had lots of porta potties and everything. It's waste management open. Trust me. There's no shortage of porta potties. <laughs> But if you're on like the normal part of the course, like it's just wall to wall. And he says, like, to just try to get a beer. Says so like you're waiting like an hour. And I'm like, what? Because you, it's not like you can just keep putting up temporary beer stands everywhere because there's all the golf course that's like you can't put more stuff there. They don't really track attendance at PGA Tour tournaments like they do football games. Is that the highest attended tournament? That's a good question. I, I don't know idea, but I would you have I, to think. Like, I don't know how many anybody out there being to the Masters like how many? But I, like, I don't think they. There isn't twenty thousand people on a hole with a post no, Malone. Like venue. I don't think the Masters jams that many of them in. Right? I could be wrong, but like I, I've never seen anything like it on the Masters where a TV shot shows you, okay, there's this many people. Like, you've seen some of the British where everybody runs down. It's now the 18th hole, right? And they're coming on. It's the final group. And now everybody's kind of in the fairway behind them, right? There's like a huge semicircle there. But, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I might have to look it up. But I, I was stunned when I was talking to the organizers when we were there. And it's like, yeah, this is how many people. I'm like, what? Like, that's mind-blowing. Do you buy tickets to a seat? Like, is it like a stadium seating where you can have row 37, seat 3? Well, now you can, yeah. Like, there's like at the concert, everybody had a set seat. Yeah. But then after that, it's almost like separate, like, tiers. There's three levels and there's suites and stuff. So, yeah, I don't think it's a free It's all temporary? 
Yeah. So at the like end, they like build temporary suites? Yeah, and then they take it down. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's a, like, it is a massive undertaking. But if you're going to bring in that many people, of course not. You're going to make huge money on it. So wow. It's, uh, I don't know how many. Uh, guys, uh, the U.S. Open uh, uh, averages about 75 to 100K a day. That's normal. So that's like four times the size of the U.S. Open. Yeah. Cool. Right, that's nuts. So. And guys, by all accounts, uh, Malone seems like an amazing uh, person as well in terms of his music talent. Check him out in a band playing the Nirvana songs for a live stream. He can do any of the genre. <laughs> yeah. He, no, he was very talented. And how he's, the funny thing about Post Malone is when you watch him just like uh, moving around the stage and stuff, like he's not overly naturally athletic. That's the <laughs> one thing I noticed, right? Like he just kind of how he moves a little bit. And then he had the greatest little dance hop that he would do when he was singing, kind of hops along on one foot. It was so funny. But that's the one thing I'm like, and he doesn't pretend to be, but that's just certain people like he has his skill set. There's not a lot of athleticism in how he moves around. His, his skill, he's a lot like Ed Sheeran in that they're both so talented that it doesn't matter what they look like. You know what I mean? Like, if you were picking a pop star, you wouldn't necessarily pick Ed Sheeran out of the catalog, yeah. right? Which is and, good, and that's how it should be for music. their talent yes. actually trumps their look, right? Mm-hmm. In, a, in an industry that's driven a lot by marketing. But Post Malone with all those face tattoos, there's a lot of ladies who, like older ladies will say, mums of the world, and they find that they like been listening to Post Malone, and that's what he looks like, and they're floored. Yeah, for sure. Um, the uh, Edmonton orders, the uh, losing streak came to an end. Winning streak. Yeah, sorry. The winning streak uh, came to an end um, with the uh, the loss in Vegas. Not a poor game uh, by any stretch. Uh, was there a part of you that was disappointed that they didn't have a chance to break the record? I was impressed by how upset Connor was at the end of the game because he isn't big for accolades and that, but it was clear that he really wanted to get the, the record. But uh, no, I'm fine. I mean, they, they played a very good game. It wasn't a Cinderella run to win 16 games. It was a very good team beating other teams. And I don't think that they're necessarily going to win the next 16 games again, but I think this team has turned the corner and something very interesting might happen this playoffs. Who knows? Well, hey, once you get there, for sure. Like, But there's the thing. Like The orders right now... It looks like now anything can happen because there's still quite a few games left. But right now, it would seem Edmonton and Vegas are almost on a collision course for the opening round. Awesome. Yeah, and that's you know what some people are like. Well, that's terrible. I'm like, if you meet him in the first round, you meet him in the second round. The only difference is, I guess it's a little bit harder, right? So you look and say, hey, a good team gets knocked out, but eventually you got to beat the good teams. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're hoping someone else beats them first, right? I guess I get the theory behind it, but. You know, ultimately, if you think, hey, if Edmonton, they, they, one of them would love to catch Vancouver. No question. Because Vancouver right now, they're, they've got a lot to play for because they can avoid Vegas and Edmonton in the first round. I'm not worried about playing Vegas. I'm not worried about anything. We're the Oilers, man. Well, by we, I mean them. But by them, I mean me personally. Yeah. Hey, guys, uh, what's the point of the deception? I hated that about Woody, so I hope it's not a mind game. Um, I, I just, you know, it's a good question. But I'll say this about Knobloch. He hasn't done it like, well, he's yet to do it. This is the first time. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't make too much about it. Like maybe they still haven't decided. Maybe there's a sliver of truth to it. Maybe they're still debating it. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a dictatorship. It's not a one man decision. He really consults with uh, Paul Coffey and Mark Stewart on this because they run the defense, right? I'm sure Glenn Galton has an opinion on it, but maybe not as much of one because it's, he doesn't run the defense. So. You know, hey guys, do you think the reason they're doing it is so Bouchard and Kulak, who don't penalty kill, can uh, can then have some continuity coming out of penalty kill from uh, Doug? Uh, 
maybe a small part, but I'll say this. How many penalties on average are there a game for the owners? Three? Right? So, and you, lately they've been killing all of them off. But whether they kill it off or not, so there's three shifts in the game where you can say, hey, this allows us to not have to split up a pair coming out of the um, coming out of the uh, um, penalty. I guess, but I don't think that would be the main reason why they would do it. It would be a small side effect of it. I think they want, if they're going to change, I think there's a few things. They want to see different looks from different D pairs. I think there's some curiosity to say, okay, we've got this six foot seven, really raw, talented young defenseman. Well, young in terms of NHL experience with 80 games. He's not, he's not an experience as far as life goes, right? In age, he's played pro and stuff like that for longer, but Vincent DeHarnay has only played 80. NHL games and he's made big strides. I don't think anybody can argue that you haven't seen improvement from Vinny DeHarnay. So can he now take the next step? Cause he's been a third pair defenseman. Can he become a top four defenseman? So they want to see now one game is not going to give you the answer. Heck two games isn't going to be the answer. I'm not even sure 10 games is, but they kind of want to see, you know, how does he react to it? A little bit more responsibility. So that's one. And then in order to move him, you have to move someone else. And that's why I could see them keeping Broberg, or sorry, Bouchard with Ekholm today. And then just swap CeCe and DeHarnay if you wanted. But then they might look and say, well, if we're going to do that, hey, we put Bouchard with, uh, with Kulak. And, you know, because we like tougher matchups. Now, Anaheim doesn't really have a lot of tough matchups, if we're being honest, right? Like their top line has got a rookie 19-year-old centerman. Their second line is centered by Bo Gruel which 90% of NHL fans are like, pardon? Right? No offense to Bro Gruel, but that's just a fact. So, um, you know, I, I see the, the reasons why you'd look at it. Like, now's the time to try it, a month before the trade deadline. Because I think if you look at the Oilers roster right now, to me, the most glaring need is a second-line right winger. That's the most glaring need. The, could, you, could you hope to upgrade a defenseman? Sure. But it, it's their defense has gone 15 games with allowing th- two or fewer goals. 15 straight with a goalie in it. I know they had an empty netter, right? Like they're, they're now, I think, even with their terrible start where they were giving up goals for fun, the orders are now, I think, fifth or seventh, one of the two, in, uh, in goals against on the season. Since November 1st, which is a much, you know, that's like 82% of the season, they're third in goals against. Like they've, so it's not a glaring error or weakness, I should say. The second line right wing, that's an error they'd like to improve if they could. Do we have the kind of cap space to bring in? A well, well line? they're actually accruing cap space all the time right now by only carrying 21 man roster. And uh, Puckpedia, last time they checked it, uh, they're on pace now. Phil Kemp might get called up here for a few games, right? They go up and down. They'll probably you know, massage that a bit, but they might be close to accruing 1.8 million in cap space. So then you make a trade and the team that you're acquiring is going to retain some salary to make the deal work. Yeah. There's a, I, they'll find a way. I think like they, they have more, well, they have way more space than they've had in the past and look what they did last year with very limited space. They still managed to get in echo and Nick Bukestad. That's true. Right. So I was always- watching Bukestad the other night. Huh? He wasn't here long enough. I liked him. Yeah. He's a good player. Um, I know there's lots of people wondering would they would he come back to Edmonton? It's got an extra year. I know he likes it here and stuff like that, but I, I kind of think he 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 settled there. He's American. I like a lot of them like being there. I get it.
Quick break. Uh, we'll return. Craig Button joins us next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 4.30. Welcome back. Gregor Show. Sports 1440. Orders Nation uh, YouTube. It is Positive Friday. We are coming to you live in the E-Well studio. E-W-E-L dot uh, They uh, text over the E-Well guarantee that the uh, orders win tonight. Ooh, they're, that's uh, a powerful guarantee. They're, they're a very confident uh, group of order fans. Uh, over there, they got the uh, the show going in the studio. I know uh, Dave's pretty fired up about the uh, the game tonight. Uh, feels uh, they will bounce back, and uh, it'd be hard to argue with them, uh, considering uh, who they're playing, uh, how they've dominated uh, Anaheim, and really just how well they've played now for the last I don't know uh, three months. Uh, they're twenty four and four, and you think about two of those losses: the Tampa Bay game, Vasilevsky probably had the greatest goaltending performance of the season. He was unreal that night. Um, they played very well against Vegas. Like, there's there's very few things to uh, complain about uh, regarding the Edmonton Oilers right now. As uh, we get to our uh, big guest of the day, uh, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, state of the art. Uh, one of coaches that will take you or your team safely and comfortably to your next destination. Book your ride today at SilentRides.ca. A, uh, we are uh, tracking down uh, Craig Button uh, from uh, TSN. Will uh, join us uh, momentarily, talking uh, all things NHL. In the uh, in the meantime, we got uh, a lot of text. Uh, hey boys, uh, I think too many people get uh, fired up about Coach Smith. Is there any team out there that keeps their D pairs and lines together all year long? Curious what would be the longest stretch. Feels like the orders might be there with uh, the stretch they've had under Knobloch. Not concerned at all if he decides to switch the D pairs. That one comes in from Mark. Well, Mark, I looked it up. For 30, this, uh, Knobloch has coached 33 games for the orders. The uh, six defensemen have played all 33 games. So AA health, good for them. There was two games where the D pairs weren't the exact same because they played seven defensemen. Remember in Florida and Carolina, Philip Broberg played in two of those games. Uh, one game he had seven minutes. The other game he had ten. That's it. So, um, and he played a little bit more with Darnell Nurse than anyone else uh, through those two games. So that was the only time. The other 31 games or deep pairs have been the same. Now, they don't play every shift together. Right, because they're sometimes coming off a penalty kill, coming out of power play. And even when they change on the fly, if you notice the one thing, the orders, how they change on the fly, certain situations is they will have a right D take the left guy if the left guy's the farther uh, side. So then the other guy can switch off to the near side. It's kind of weird. Or sorry, if the lefty's the near side, the right guy will take him off because then when the right guy changes, the the second right D that came on then slides over to the right side. That's what they've uh, done. Uh, they don't do it on every change, but we're talking on the fly. Watch it. It happens uh, quite a bit. So you'll see, you know, 40 seconds here, 50 seconds a game, Nurse and Kulak are playing together, right? Or Nurse and Echo, more Bouchard and CeCe, et cetera. So, um, you know, they're NHL defense, and they're some of the best players in the world. Um if, if all of a sudden they switch their D pairs, I, I don't think it's going to be catastrophic by any stretch. And in fact, I'd kind of encourage it if I was the Edmonton Orders. Uh, Craig Button joins us from uh, TSN, uh, former NHL uh, GM and scout ace analyst for uh, TSN. And I know, Craig, yesterday at practice, they they unveiled three new D pairs. And for the first time really all year uh, since he's been the head coach, Chris Knobloch didn't say for certain 
what he was going to do with his D pairs. He's been very open and transparent about his goaltender, who's starting, which lines that he sees in practice and why, and he explains why he does it. You know, he did say, hey, there's something maybe we want different in their D pairs. Like, to me, I, I could see the uh, the benefit of, of switching it. But if I do it, it won't just be for one game. It would be for a few games just to kind of see what do we have. Because the orders for basically the last, well, the last whatever, it's been 130 games, they basically ran the same six defense. It's almost unheard of because they haven't, knock on wood, had any serious injuries. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights, when they were healthy, had the same six defensemen. It worked pretty well for them. And they had the same defense pairs. I think for Chris Knobloch, the best time to experiment is when your team's had a lot of success. And you, you, you're you going to run into, into different challenges at different points in time. Uh, come playoff time, come real challenging games. And you don't want to try to uh, uh, change something when you don't know how it's going to work. Scotty Bowman was a master. Master. He, he always felt get points in the bank, and then I, he would manipulate. He would move lines around. Everybody says, oh, he put the lines in a blender. No, he didn't. He was trying to see what could work. He was trying to see, you know, how does this player play with that player? How do they handle this situation? Because when it got to the hard points of, of games, like in the regular season and in the playoffs, he wanted to know exactly what could work. He wasn't just kind of throwing it up to, to, to guesswork. And the other thing Scotty never did is he never did it after the trade deadline leading into the playoffs. He didn't want anybody to see it. So I think what Chris Knobloch is doing is brilliant. This is when you figure out how you can change things and what could potentially work and what not. Selling keep a few years ago against the Columbus Blue Jackets, in game five, decided to switch up his lines. He had never done it before. No surprise, they lost. Huh. Um, you look at... Uh... You know, we, we saw some trades, and I haven't talked to you about it, but I don't, I don't want to revisit the the trades that were made. But uh, now we're officially four weeks from today, uh, the the NHL trade deadline. And like, I do think that, like, a New Jersey Devils and Tyler Toffoli, to me, um, if he gets dealt, it's because the Devils have fallen out of the playoff race. Right now, with them getting Jack Hughes, I think they're going to remain patient and think they can get back in it, right? So, you know, there's that cat-and-mouse game of saying, hey, we might want to write... Uh, a second line right winger, but do we wait to see if Toffoli becomes available? How do you play that cat and mouse game? Or do you, if, you know, do you look and say, okay, there's two guys we like and whichever one we can get first, that's what we're going to get them and we're not necessarily going to wait till last minute? Hey, one in hand is worth two in the bush. That's how the old saying goes. And, you know, if you're going to wait and, and hope that somebody falls out of a playoff spot when you have a chance uh, to get a player that can come in and help you, don't wait. Don't wait. Because I've seen a lot of deals fall through, and then that's when uh, that's when the scramble begins, and 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 you see all this frantic uh, discussions, and 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 then you end up potentially not getting a player that that even fits what you're trying to do. So to me, you you got to be measured, you got to be purposeful, you got to understand what's available, and you got to understand that when teams are going, well, we're going to see if we're in or out. Okay, good. Like we'll, we'll give you a little bit of time, but. You better not be going down the stretch hoping that a team – because if, you, if you're in the last 10 days, let's just say, and, and, and a team isn't certain where they're at, I would suggest move on. Craig Button from uh, TSN joins us. Uh, Craig, the uh, 
the New York Rangers are an interesting team to me because on paper they got a lot of things going for them and they're doing all this despite their starting goaltender really ever finding his game. Do you at what point do you get concerned do you think in New York about Shesterkin? Never. Okay. Why would you what are you going to do? Like you yeah. so you can be concerned and what's that going to get you? Nothing. Like he, he's an elite goalie. So he, he he might be having you know some performances that aren't up to par, but there's nothing you can do about it. So what you're going to try to do is is work with him to try to get him back to form and 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 and, and try to be patient and, and at the same time push. But there's nothing you can do about it. You're not going to get another goalie. There's just there, there's no thing. So work with him and try to find a way to get his level of playoff. That's what you do. Well, I think that's what they're doing, right? That's why they're starting quick a little bit more. They take more practice time. It's just surprising now. Like, eventually I thought Shesterkin would, like, hey, guys hit ruts. He, his just is extended longer than I think anyone expected. Okay, so we're calling what Shesterkin is in a rut. You know how many goalies would like to be in the rut that he's in? Oh, 899 save percentage, man. It's not like he's lighting it up on fire, right? Like, he's not Jack Campbell. I, I, I run, but. I didn't say he was. I, I just said that there's a lot of goaltenders who'd like to be in the rut that he's in. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it, Jason. There simply isn't. So you work with them, and that's exactly what they're doing with them. You can be sitting here scratching your head and pulling out your hair. Find a way to get them back up to form. That's, what, that's the job. Worrying isn't going to get us anywhere? Well, you can worry all you want, and where's it going to get you? That's a fair It'll point. It'll get you nowhere, Wanya. Nowhere, anywhere. That's what I say, Gregor. Yeah, Don't worry. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, bottom line is, is that if you believe that you have players that are capable of more, then work with them to get more out of them. Work with them to help them get back to that level that you know that they're capable of doing. And I, I think that's where the focus has to be. Do you think now Toronto's obviously got some injuries with Yarn Kroc and David Camp out? Um, everybody's talked about their uh, their defense, and I think their need for a defense. Um, they've been playing their top six guys a lot. Are you concerned with the amount of minutes, or do you think maybe in the NHL we we get too worried about time on ice? No, I think you have to be concerned about time on ice with respect to you know what what you're trying to do with your players i mean i mean there's only so much you can get out of players uh with respect to their conditioning and and what the demands are so when ice time gets to be a little bit more than than what you think is ideal for them where you're going to extend them number 1 number 2 is are they going to be are they going to start pacing themselves and i'll just give you an example let's just say i'm just going to use 20 minutes as an example so, so, so you're looking at going 20 minutes is ideal. So you know, you might push a player to 21, but now he gets up to 24, and now you're extending him. Well, that, that's great. So now you're thinking about, okay, the player starts to have to pace himself, but it doesn't start at minute 21 to 24. The player knows he's got to play more. He starts pacing himself at 18. So now you've lost three minutes, and you've added three minutes onto the back end. That's not good for your team, and there's no team that's going to go deep in the playoffs when you're extending ice time to, 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 to top players. You can't. That's why you need depth in your lineup. That's why you need depth in your forward group. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs, playing those guys too much, extending them too much, it, it won't pay dividends when it matters the most. And that's a big problem for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Let me just see. Where, where's the problems? 
okay, their goaltending has been a problem. Their defense is a problem. Their forward depth is a problem. <laughs> Seems to me that they got a lot of problems. Craig Button from uh, TSN uh, joins us. Craig, the uh, if I look at other teams around, like the Florida Panthers, two years ago they made some big moves that didn't pan out. Last year they didn't make much. Um, like I look at some of the good teams here, I don't think like Vancouver made a pretty substantial move already, and they did it early, and that probably makes more sense to me. But I don't see a clear cut favorite right now on either side. I know as you saw last year, even if you are the clear cut favorite, it doesn't mean you're going to win. Um, do, where do you come out on the chemistry factor, and how much do you weigh that? When making moves at the deadline, for instance, let's say Jake Gensel gets traded to Edmonton. I'm not saying he is, but let's just say he is. So now you bring in Gensel, who's who's a UFA, he's American, highly unlikely to resign. So everybody knows he's here short term. He's probably going to want power play time. You've got a really good power play. You probably don't want to mess with that. So then you're like, well, now we're taking away power play time. Like, how do you how do you balance all that when you're the GM? And is the chemistry factor more important? And sometimes teams maybe overlook it. Nope, I don't agree with that. If the Edmonton Oilers make a trade for Jake Gensel, the excitement from the players in that dressing room would be off the charts. Because they would see it as clearly a player that can come in. He's won a couple Stanley Cups. That in and of itself is significant. Number two, he's been a big-time playoff performer. He's an elite player. That excites players. And, you know, you're you're talking about moving somebody down the lineup. You're not moving a top player down the lineup. You're moving somebody else down the lineup. Players are excited about an opportunity to strengthen your team. Always the case. Now, there there is a case for what you just talked about. When you add a player that that doesn't that, that isn't the right fit, and now you're trying to put square pegs in round holes, and you're displacing other players, that causes problems. But you had you had top players like Jake Gensel, never a problem. All right. Um, if you were Ken Holland, what would be? What do you think is your number one priority to add? I think it's a second line right winger. What do you think it is for the Orders roster that's currently uh, built? I think they need. I think they need some weight and speed in in, in, in the forwards. 10 to 12, 9 to 12. That's what I want to see. So that's your biggest you look one. Look at the depth. Yeah. That, but I don't, I, don't need a, I don't need a second line right winger. I, I'm fine with the way their offense is number one in the league. They don't need, they don't need offense. I think they need more depth, more speed, more, more, a little bit more weight deeper into the forward group. Bruce Cassidy, he said it. We beat Edmonton last year with our third and fourth lines. That's where I think Edmonton can strengthen themselves. That's where I'm looking. Uh, well, how about this trade, uh, uh, Nick Dowd, I've crunched all his numbers. Craig's hell of a player in in uh, in Washington, but I wouldn't just because I think he's gonna I think he's gonna take a first rounder just like uh, Barkley Goudreau did, and I don't have a problem with that. He's he's a really low value uh, cap hit at one point three million. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, low cost, good value at one point three million. But I wouldn't just acquire. I would convince Washington to give me Dowd and Beck uh, Malenstein, his winger. They play together. He's six foot three. He's two hundred pounds. He's physical. He kills a lot of penalties. So does Dowd. And that, to me, if I'm the Edmonton Orders, I get two birds with one stone, and I get two guys who have chemistry. They play all the time together. They actually can match up against the other team's top lines, which could free up McDavid for a few, three, four shifts a game, not against the other team's top guys. Actually, I I made the I wrote the article. I think that might be the best possible outcome, and I don't think you're going to have to give up a lot to to throw in uh, Beck into that trade. 
Well, it's interesting. I just said get some weight and speed deeper down the lineup. You said second line right winger, and then you come back with that. I'm I'm 100% on board with you. Yeah. That's exactly what they need, I think. That's exactly what makes their team deeper and stronger. And, and again, you used the Barkley Goudreau. So you're trying to find a way to manipulate, try to get a little bit more. And, and you're right. I, I remember when the Tampa Bay Lightning traded uh, Nolan Foote in a first-round draft pick for Blake Coleman. They're going, oh, what's this? And then they trade a first-round pick for Barkley Goudreau. What's this? What it was 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 strengthening their team deeper in their lineup. They had the stars. And, and, and that's what Edmonton. Edmonton doesn't. I don't think Edmonton needs help in the top part of their forward group. They need help deeper in the lineup. If you could make that deal, if I could make that deal, I, I would be going to Washington and piggybacking those guys back to Edmonton. Who do you trade in your scenario for them, Gregor? Um, you're well, going to have to give up a first. And uh, to make the salary work, you're going to throw in uh, Brown or Yanmark, and Washington's fine. Those guys are, you know expiring contracts and then you probably have to give like a mid-round pick for uh for beck malstein like that's what i I've, I've looked at a lot of trade deadlines um the big swings aren't necessarily what always wins you uh cup or for because if you're a good team you don't like i look at florida two years ago craig and i remember at the time i was like they went out and got Giroux and and um Sherrod and gave up a lot and i was like god i'm not even sure they really needed those and it didn't work now it worked because they won around so in argue maybe the organization said that was good for us because we hadn't won around forever but man you can go back to michael hanzus and other guys like that the the secondary guys sometimes craig for good teams that's what you need like they don't need top-end guys. Now, a second-line right winger, to me, is more of a complimentary guy. They don't need a driver. They just need a complimentary shooter, is what I was saying, for a second-line winger. Yeah, but they have their offense. and They have more than enough offense. Anyway, you know, look at how good Ivan Barbashev last year was yeah, for exactly. the Vegas Gold Knights. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean we, 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 we can keep going into it. I mean, it, it's all there. It's, it, it, it's been there. And you can look back and understand what teams have done. I just talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning, what they did. Did anybody think that Michael Ketney was going to be a key player? I mean, he ended up coming and giving them 16 to 18 minutes of good, hard, heavy defense that took pressure. And you just talked about taking pressure and taking some of the onus. We talked about ice time. Right, you're trying to. It becomes hard. You want to win the Stanley Cup. It's two months of hard, like competitive, edgy play every other night, and and you can't be extending your players. You're not going to be able to get through it. And so, the more you can alleviate the stresses with ice time and 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 matchups, the better, the stronger you're going to be, and the more capable you're going to be. So, Jason, like the, the, what you just talked about, I, I am 100% on board with that, and I think that those are those are moves that become really, really significant uh, to, to to strengthen and bolster your lineup to make you so much harder to play against. And I'll go back to Vegas because they're just recent, and and but they're important. But you, you think about the line of Carrier, Wah, and Colasar. Bruce Cassie never had a problem using them against the other team's top line. In fact, Colasar is the one that took out Matthew Kachuk because Bruce said, I can play him out there on the ice. Having players like that deeper in your lineup that make opponents uncomfortable and make you as a coach comfortable having them out on the ice is, is incredibly important. And good teams, winning teams, have these types of players. And I, 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 I love your idea about that. I mean, I wish, I wish that uh, uh, I would have thought of that, but that's a, that, that's a great trade. I think Ken Holland should give you royalties 
if he makes that trade. Oh, well. He should do. I'll, I probably won't get any, but uh, I could always ask for it. Uh, you put it. You put in a word in for me, Craig. I think that would be uh, great. One last one I'll for you that. about adding a seventh defenseman. Uh, I think it's a must. We look at the history of the NHL and how many teams use D-men. You know, there's somebody getting nicked up. They're blocking more shots. It's physical, all that stuff. Um, the importance of a seventh D-men for you, Craig, like there's, you know, because you want to bring in somebody that's going to be comfortable in that role, knowing they might, like, they're there, you know, in case of glass break, and then I'm going to use you, right? How how much of the personality of the player, like, I, I, I use Zach Bogosian. It's an easy example. He's one, you know, he's a veteran guy. He can still play. Right, so he fits in. He's not expensive, but when you're at, when you're acquiring a player who who's who's likely going to be more of a a press box guy than someone you you don't want them to, to be you know um, kind of the mopey guy around the room. How do you find out that they for sure won't be a moper? Well, I mean that's that's part of making sure that you have the information and the intel on the players and understanding that a player coming in, uh, you know, and being asked that this is what we're asking you to do, you know, not only not only has the personality to get in there and work every day and keep himself ready, but also has the personality to accept that that's what his role is. And you know, I, I, Jason and we've all heard this over the years. I hear it all the time. The players are willing uh, to 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 accept it. Are willing to do certain things but embracing it and accepting it are two very different things and, th- and that's part of the work you have to do you have to know the people you have to understand their willingness to embrace it because that's not an easy thing to do because because it is it's a state of readiness and a state of accepting and embracing that role that's important and you don't want somebody that comes in there that's going to be that, that that's going to have less than a stellar attitude with with, with respect to approaching it that way. You you, you need that, and you got to make sure that you that you you've done the work to know that whoever you're bringing in is going to be able to deliver in that regard. Craig, have yourself a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the games. Who are you taking to the Super Bowl? Chiefs all the way. I uh, I'm on the Travis and Taylor. Um, bandwagon and I mean Mahomes and you know I'll say this real quick Jason you know I keep hearing about the vaunted San Francisco 49ers defense they never stopped the Detroit Lions once in the championship game the only team that stopped the Detroit Lions in that game was the Detroit Lions (laughs) drop passes for first downs a fumble never never did the San Francisco 49ers stop the Detroit Lions and they're not stopping KC Ooh, there you go. I like it. Bull, Craig, appreciate it. Have a good one. See ya. Have a good weekend. Bye. That's uh, Craig Button from TSN. Ask me my uh, Super Bowl prediction. Right, we've got to go to break. We'll do it. After. Oh, I see. It's, uh, okay. A quick break. We'll come back with five questions and more on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. What do we got? Three games? Two. Two games. Well, we're going to get... Yeah, we'll get four points. Goal differential. I don't know. Two stunning victories, though. I'll tell you. The oil are rolling, Connor. Who's who's asking these questions? Of course we're going to go 2-0. and um, well, it's kind of, it's kind of a weird stretch where the Oders, um, tonight and tomorrow, both their games are against teams. First game is back out of the, uh, the bye week, just kind of odd. And that is an advantage that you saw, um, uh, Bruce Cassie talked about it. Uh, Vegas, he felt like his team had a real big advantage early in that Arizona game. And then, you know, they kind of held on later, but, uh, the Oders are winning tonight for sure. Uh, LA, the difference with the LA game is, you know, they got the new coach. Now I know he's an assistant coach, but he's still the new, uh, the new guy. So, um, yeah, I th- I'll say Edmonton squeaks out an overtime win in LA. 
and uh, beats the Ducks, I think, like five to two. So what's the total going to be? Mm, low scoring in L.A. I guess that'll be eight to three because it'll be uh, I think they'll beat the Kings three two. Question number two, when it comes to the NHL's trade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. In terms of players moved, who do you think is going to be the most active seller? Ooh, that's a good question. A very good question. Um, well, I think Calgary might like to be. The, uh, depending on it, like if Noah Hannafin doesn't sign Hannafin and Tanov, I think then that's two for sure. That's and they've already traded one, so it'd be hard to uh, to beat them. So I, I'm going to go with the Flames. I was going to say Chicago, but then I was trying to go through their roster. There's yeah. so many injuries and yeah. stuff; they can't even really do much. No. Yeah, the Flames though—they're the worst. I'll go with Gregor on that one. Uh, question number three for you guys today. As we sit right now, looking at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, now who would be your pick to win it all this weekend? Well, two-time defending champ Scotty Scheffler. That's who I'd go with. Pretty straightforward bet. Uh, I will uh, I will take the uh, homer pick and uh, go with uh, Nick Taylor. I uh, He's, uh, you know what? He had a finish last year pretty strong. Um, he's had, uh, he obviously had an unreal opening round and uh He's back to even right now, and uh, I would like him the longer the tournament goes over uh, Andrew Novak. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, Scotty Scheffler's not a bad pick because, uh, you know, defending champ. Got a lot of ground to make up, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Nick Taylor. Yeah, five strokes back right now, just lurking, ready to make that push. Question number four, we'll do play Alberta prop bet rapid fire. So, Wanya, you can answer first, and Gregor, you're second. Okay, heads or tails in the coin toss? Heads. Tails. Final play of the game, a kneel, yes or no? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Is it ever not? Like, you know, I guess it could be a Hail Mary or saying it's down to the final play. Yeah, no, I'll go with a kneel. National anthem, over or under 90 
and a half seconds. Over. If there's one thing I know about American anthem singers, everything is an opportunity to extend the note. 90 seconds, did you say? 90.5 is the line. Well, uh, uh, that's the line? Yeah. Wow. Because uh, according to uh, Grewell, they say the average duration is roughly 1 minute and 55 seconds. So if 90 is the line, that's... Uh, you may have found a bet here, Gregor. Yeah. Kill me? That's, uh, <laughs> that's massive. Alicia Keys uh, had the longest one at 2 minutes and 35 seconds. So if it's 90 seconds, you're taking the over all day. Yeah. You go run and make that bet right now, I guess, because that's what it is. 90.5 seconds. Okay. Are, they, are they singing a different anthem this year? Who's like, <laughs> I don't even know who's singing the anthem. It's uh, Reba. McIntyre? Yeah. Do you know another Reba? Yeah, no, that's not true. Well, I didn't even know she was still like... <laughs> it's quite a was, unique I she, name. I thought she was just acting now. I didn't even know she was still singing. No, they're bringing her out of retirement for this one. And final question, Moneyline, who's winning? Not I, to, I guess the Chiefs. Well, don't guess. I guess, though. Like I, mm. Everybody's betting on the Chiefs. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't seen the... Like, they're only plus two. Uh, well, I guess that's the line. So, yeah, it's hard for me to go against the Chiefs. But, again, I'm. it's not like last year. Last year, I was very comfortable the Chiefs were winning. But, yeah, the 49ers, man, they've been pretty good all year long. So, um, But it would be amazing if the Chiefs win. That would be three in five years. You know what I'd like to see, though, Gregor? Well, I'd like to see Travis Kelsey take a knee during the Super Bowl halftime show. And there was like, why is he taking a knee? And then, bang, Taylor Swift, who they thought was at her concert in Tokyo, is actually at the Super Bowl. And she's there. What's going on? Bang, Usher, who's supposed to perform, performs a wedding ceremony at center field midway through the Super Bowl. <laughs> the ratings will be huge. Oh, my God. Usher doing the ceremony? Uh, well, isn't she expected to be back? Because doesn't her concert end in uh, on Saturday? Well, some of us Swifties are concerned because uh, there's just there's winds, mm-hmm. intercontinental winds. Oh, You've got those sure. to deal with, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope she's there. Well, I don't know how the, can they even start the game if she's not there. Maybe they should wait. <laughs> Final question, hypothetical Friday. If you were a monster of any kind, what monster would you be? Who was the real tall Oilers goalie we called the monster? Was it Gustafson? Well, that's not really a monster, though. Well, you called him the monster. He'd be pretty cool. He got a lot of money for the oil and not make a lot of saves. That's who I want to be. Good pull. Yeah. Forgot about him. Thank you. Um, what kind of monster? God, I'm not really sure I believe in monsters. So I don't even know. Was uh, it Gustafson, Connor? I believe so, yeah. The monster? Yeah. Didn't he? The monster. Was it the league? Yeah, but that did Jonas he, Gustafsson. Yeah, he was here for like what six games. But he was so tall. Well, he wasn't that. No, the Koskin was taller than Moss. Seven games with the Oilers, twenty yeah. with Baco. Ah, yeah. How tall is he? Six foot four. Yeah. The monster. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what his nickname was. But yeah. it was It's crazy because yeah, it was. He wasn't that big. <laughs> considering his goals against yeah. was the monster. Um, I guess if I was gonna, well, I probably want to be the Sasquatch because no one ever sees you. Like I was trying to think of the name of the uh, uh, Monsters Inc. When uh, one of the monsters, but I couldn't remember any of their names. I'm still going back to when you said Reba McIntyre in my head because can you name another Reba? Yeah, no, that wasn't necessarily the greatest comment. Um, looking back on anthem it. singer wise, okay, I, I mean, th- surprise. I thought I, I thought I heard Rita for a second. Oh, that's fair. I mean, then it was Reba, and once I said it, I was like, yeah, well, who else is there? I'm sure there's another Reba. I just 
a famous Reba. Yeah, I know. She kind of annoys me as an actress. So it gets biblical after uh, Reba McIntyre. There is a Reba Rambo. Reba Rambo. She's a Christian music singer. Not uh, familiar with her game. No, uh, Reba, the male lady from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Okay. She could sing the anthem in under 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. Reba McIntyre, wasn't she uh, married to Donnie McGuire? Not McIntyre, but Rita, Reba Rambo. Pretty sure she was. She's like a singer from the uh, 70s. Rhea Rambo, you're familiar with her work? Well, not familiar with her work, but just know. Or who she married to. Look up dumb things at times. Oh, sure. In the history of... No. Donnie McGuire, yeah. I'd never There heard. you go. See? And Landy Gardner. That Who's Donnie McGuire? That was her husband. <laughs> well, other than that, who is he? Hey, I don't care. That's her husband. So He's a gospel singer. It's always good things to remember. Stupid trivia. You know a gospel singer? No, I just knew his name. That's all. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know gospel There's singer. a lot of layers to you, Gregor. I yeah. respect it. I know, but... Uh, it ain't all post below the re- concerts. The, the Reba... Con- the Reba, con- Reba who? Yeah, that was a bad comment. That was... That was, that was a fail on a Friday. That was a Friday fail. That's funny. It's a fail. Sure. In what world does Usher perform the ceremony, Matt and LaDuke? I like that Matt takes it that yeah. serious. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh, qualified to uh, perform that ceremony, uh, Matt? Who else? Usher. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe he's got his, uh, what, is, what is that thing? Anybody can go get it, right? Where you, uh, you have the ability to marry someone, right? You just got to get the proper paperwork. It's Vegas. Anyone can marry anybody within Clark County. But I think you still, no, no, no. You still have to have, uh, like, you have to have the, I don't mean, what's it called? Somebody out there will know, right? When you, somebody out there is going to be ordained, right? Or, do you have to be ordained? That's religion based. Yeah, that's more it? religion. I don't like think you have Taylor to be Taylor Swift is religious. So you're telling me Usher's not religious enough to marry Taylor Swift? Well, no, it's not, about, it's not about being that. You have to, you have to go, you have to apply for the paperwork so you can be a legitimate person who can oversee the ceremony. But Connor's inferring that Taylor will have some sort of religious based wedding with Taylor. Yeah. Or with absolutely. Travis at center field at the Super Bowl. Okay. Big time. Big time. All right. So you need an ordained person. <sighs> Maybe. I just feel like Usher could dance out from the side and they're both standing there and you don't realize it's a ceremony until Usher pulls the, w- the vows out. Oh. Dude, it's not happening, okay? We're wasting way too much time on this theoretical uh, situation. Five question I know, I agree. It was a good wins? answer, but now you've gone too far. Well, right? Fair. You've gone too far. Let's get to uh, the comments. Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specialize in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 